can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense, and 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Oh, the Broncos certainly could have used some mile-high magic Monday night in Oakland. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the podcast. Glad to be with you. Unfortunately, wish we had a better subject to talk about today. The Broncos on a losing end of a 24-16 game in Oakland to start the regular season 0-1. Nikki, the big sentiment from the Broncos, was disappointed but not discouraged. That uh, reverberating throughout the locker room last night translated into uh, Vic Fangio and John Elway's press conferences again today on Tuesday. Your takeaways from what you saw Monday night in Oakland. I was sloppy. I, I think there were a lot of mistakes in all three phases, and they've admitted as much. Um, I, I think what concerned a lot of people is it felt eerily familiar to what we've seen the last three years with the types of mistakes they're making, when they're making them, um, and then, you know, sort of their inability to bounce back after each specific one. They just kind of snowball. Um, so that was a bit concerning, but at the same time, it's only week one, and they do have a new system on both sides of the ball. Um, they have a completely new coaching staff. So you hope that, you know, this is an outlier in, at the very least, the bottom. You know, everything has to go up from here. Um, but there were some bright spots. There were some good moments. Uh, I, I think they were just kind of overshadowed by the problems. What do you think? It certainly felt it certainly felt a lot like we were watching six and ten yeah. again. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not saying that that's where this team is headed, but based on what we saw. Monday night. I mean, it was eerily similar. You mentioned it. There were so many things that stood out in Monday's game that you look back over the last two years, whether it's red zone inefficiencies, whether it's trouble on special teams, whether it was struggling in the run defense department. And you're like, oh my gosh, this looks exactly like what we have seen the last two years, which was completely opposite of what we were thinking we were going to get to see going into the game Monday, because we were like, okay, new quarterback, Joe Flacco, a guy who's been there, new head coach, Vic Fangio, new offensive coordinator, Rich Gangarello. This is going to be completely different. And then the Broncos get shut out in the first half, and you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, it started on that first drive with the three and out. And, and I want to get into certain things that we saw. With Noah. Uh, yes, okay. You you beat me to it. What is going on? What was up with that to me? I it was like Rich Gangarello had sat there and and this is I'm gonna be over dramatic here, but it was as if he is, he was sitting there with his buddy several years ago and said, you know what? When I when I become an offensive coordinator in the NFL, the first play I'm gonna call is a jet sweep to the tight end because nobody's gonna see it coming. And they're like, dude, you won't do that. And he's like, watch me. And then he did it, and there was terrible blocking on the play. Noah Fant gets dropped for a loss, and you, you can't help but feel like, oh my goodness, here we go. That's immediately what I thought. As soon as they ran that play. He's tackled for, what, a loss of five yards? I was like, oh, no. It's starting all over. Here we go. And sure enough, it was a three and out. They had, what, seven total plays in the first quarter? Was, the first half was atrocious, um, especially on defense, including offense. They were a little better in the second half, but not enough to really say, oh, wow, now they got it together. They really changed the tone. Like, it was still a lot of the same mistakes. But that first play... 
the call, yes, bizarre, but it was also the start of a really bad night for the rookie. Um, he -hmm. had two penalties, one of which negated that 36 yard catch by Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he had another, what a holding, um, it, it's yeah. not a great night. Um, and honestly, it was a little surprised he was starting. Um, at first I thought, oh gosh, is, is Jeff Hireman hurt again? But I guess they wanted the kid in there. You draft him in the first round for a reason, right? But he was, he's not ready. And to a degree, I put that on the Broncos coaching yeah. staff, right? Yeah. Like they didn't draft Noah Fan to be a blocking tight end. They drafted him to be a pass catcher. And Rich Gangarello said in training camp, look, he's a lot better as a blocker than everybody's giving him credit for. Well, he certainly didn't show that Monday night in the season opener. And I don't know that they put him in the best spots to be successful. Now, I know that you can't you can't afford to never have him as a blocker, right? Like, obviously I realize that that is unrealistic, but you gotta, you gotta enable him. You gotta put him in positions to where he can be successful and he's not a very good blocker right now. So why are you asking him to do things that he's not very good at? I know that's what the last regime did um, across the board. It was, that was a little bizarre. I I think, I mean, there were another other similar situations on defense um, with Isaac Yedham and why he was in coverage on a 6-6 tight end that was just eating him alive repeatedly. Um, <laughs> but I think a, a lot of it comes down to, like, they they have the right personnel for this system. I'm not convinced of the depth, you know, at, at tight end, they have yeah. the depth when healthy. I don't know that they have the talent they want there. Um, I don't think any guy in that room has really proved themselves, um, let alone played a full season. Um, so it, it's just kind of, it feels hodgepodgey, if that makes any sense. Like, it, they just don't feel like a complete group yet. Maybe they won't this season. You know, maybe it's unrealistic to expect them to feel like a complete group that, you know, has some consistency, some cohesiveness, because in every facet, they feel like they don't. Now, the the good news, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, I mean, if we're looking for a silver lining here, I thought in the second half, the offense as a whole got yep. better. I thought the play calling got better. Granted, it was too little, too late. And so many times over the last couple of years, we've kind of fallen into this trap of the offense plays poorly when it really matters, and then, or at least to start the game. And then when they're down 14 nothing, all of a sudden they start to play a lot better, and everybody's like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't so bad after all. But this becomes a trend that we've seen throughout the season um, and obviously has led to just 11 wins over the last two years. But I felt like the offense last night – got a little bit better, and that gave me a little bit of a hope. Maybe that's where the not discouraged part comes from, at least on the offensive side of the ball, that, okay, Rich Gangarello got all the the weird stuff out in the first half. You had that really questionable play in the red zone where he tried to get all fancy and had just three guys lined up with the ball, the center and the two guards, and then put everybody else stacked. Like, what what are we doing? Can we just get the ball inside the end zone before we try and get all fancy and trick everybody else? Like, that to me was – was him kind of being a, a first-time offensive coordinator and trying to get a little bit too cute. But I thought some of the things that we saw in the second half when they were able to get long drives and, and at least get into the red zone, if not punch it into the end zone, gave me a little bit of a hope for this offense moving forward. Now you just hope you see some of that 
from the get-go in, in week yeah, two. Yeah, absolutely. Them. And it started early in the third quarter. Um, you know, they, there was a 24-yard catch-and-run by Cortland Sutton. That was on their second play of the third quarter. And they had some good plays throughout, but that drive stalled when Flacco was sacked. Garrett Bowles had the holding penalty, and then they had to settle for a field goal. That was their first time in the red zone in the third quarter. And they went, what, one and four in the red zone, had one touchdown, yeah. settled for field goals because of sacks or penalties. But, you know, in between these kind of deficiencies, really, they do have these highlight moments. I mean, there was that big play by Sutton. Then you got that that big run by Royce Freeman where Dalton Reisner goes around the mm-hmm. line and has that huge block on Vontez Perfect. Um, you had another 25-yard completion to Sutton. You had the 53-yarder to Emmanuel Sanders. So you could see the offense start to come alive. They just weren't all that consistent. Yeah, and, you know, Vic Fangio was asked about the red zone in the preseason. And he said, well, it's not an epidemic right. yet, you know. And I'm like, okay, well, one of four in the season opener, that's not great. I mean, I don't know at what point it gets to epidemic status, but obviously you wanted better production from them inside the red zone. I thought last night Joe Flacco was was decent. I thought he was better than okay, but I thought he could have been better too. And honestly, I expected him to be a little bit better. And I don't know if he's still not 100% on the offense. I don't know if his timing with Emmanuel Sanders isn't quite where it is. I think that's probably the case given Emmanuel's limited reps in training camp and given the first-team offense's mm-hmm. overall limited reps in the preseason, I thought he had some really nice passes where he threaded the needle, including the one to Deshaun yep. Hamilton, which he dropped inside the end zone. And if Deshaun catches that ball, yeah. it's a completely different ball game. I mean, that changes the the complexion of everything. But I also thought there were some opportunities where Flacco missed some guys um, who were open, not necessarily with his throws. But, you know, I think back to the final offensive play of the first half and he tries to go deep to Emmanuel Sanders. He's got Noah Fant wide open and able to pick up some yards. What happens is he creates a 64-yard field goal for Brandon McManus that he just misses instead of just dumping it off to Fant, letting him pick up 10 yards. And then maybe all of a sudden McManus kicks that field goal. You get three points going into halftime, and then you get the ball coming out in the second half. So I thought his he obviously had a really good connection with Cortland Sutton, but I thought Joe Flacco was going to be better on Monday night than he was. Yeah, there were there were a couple of balls where I'm like, they were tipped, and I thought, oh, geez, they're going to get picked off, surely. Um, there was only the one fumble when he was sacked, which I take as a good mm-hmm. sign. That was their only turnover of the game. Um, but, yeah, he, he had these great throws that were mixed with some of these kind of head-scratching decisions, like why would you go there? Was it his fault? Was it the receiver's fault? Was it the play call? Was everybody just kind of out of sync? Um, but I, I want to go back to that 64 yard field goal because Fangio brought it up during his, his press conference today is, you know, if we had just gotten a few more yards, even just a yard, I mean, McManus's kick was a, actually quite good. It was like literally a yard short. If they had gotten that much closer, there's another three points. If Deshaun Hamilton had caught that ball, there's seven points. I mean, this could have been a, a very different game. And Deshaun admitted that after the game. You know, it was clearly eating at him that he he dropped that. And he's like, I know if I had caught that, we would have won because the momentum would have shifted. We had gotten those points. It would have been a different game, which, 
You know, it's, it, it's almost remarkable the score was that close, given what we yeah. saw in the first half. Like, I looked up, I'm, how the heck is this a two-score game? Because what we saw was the Broncos getting dominated out there. Yeah, and you almost you tip your hat to Oakland because they kind of beat themselves a little bit, but the Broncos weren't good enough to take advantage of that. I mean, you look at the final stats, Oakland actually had more penalties than the Broncos did, right. and that's kind of what kept Denver in it. And, you know, you mentioned that field goal opportunity. There was also one that first drive of the second quarter for the Broncos. They had a third and 12 at the Oakland 33. Flacco takes a 10-yard sack. It, that's the one where he fumbled it. Ron Leary falls on it. That's 10 yards difference there. And then all of a sudden, Colby Wadman has to come on, who I thought had a pretty decent game last night, given what we saw yeah, in the preseason. I thought he was actually much better um, in the regular season opener than he was in the preseason, which was a nice surprise. Um, but that's another opportunity where you feel like the Broncos kind of left three points on the board. Um, so I'll be interested to see kind of how that progresses and how how Joe Flacco improves. Uh, your point on Deshaun Hamilton I thought was – was really impressive. Here's a second-year guy out of Penn State, um, and I thought he was really, really impressive when he met with the media after the game. Took sole responsibility for that um, and basically said, look, to me, that was the game that could have changed – that was the play, rather, that could have changed this game. If I make that completion, it's a whole other ball game. Instead, we leave four points on the board, and that really changes things and changes how we're feeling – about our offense the next time we step out onto the field. I was really impressed with Deshaun Hamilton and surprisingly impressed with Emmanuel Sanders after the game as well. I thought there was some miscommunication, at least it looked like it to us, that there was miscommunication between Sanders and, and the offense uh, in the early going there. And he said afterwards he, he didn't point the finger at anybody. He just said, no, I was having some issues. I was really frustrated in the first half. I kind of let the game get away from me. I was having issues with the field and, and, and the cleats. And I was like, oh, this is maybe a different Emmanuel Sanders than we have seen the last couple of years. Well, it's different from what we saw on the field, too, because he came off the field at one point and went straight to Zach Azadi, the receivers coach, and Noah Fant, and kind of snapped at both of them before heading back out. The frustration was very clear. I mean, it was obvious. And, you know, what wasn't clear was whether it was with himself or the the calls or, you know, the fact that he wasn't getting many targets in the first half. Um, but, the, I mean, the, the offense, the defense, too, neither were in sync. There were issues across the board. And you just hope that they can work out those kinks. But I, Deshaun was impressive. And, unfortunately for him... And he said this too, that that's going to be a play that just sticks with him throughout yeah. the season. Um, you know, if they don't finish the way they want, that's going to come back to eat at them. And fortunately, that's just the, the way the game goes. But I, I do think he's a talented player. I would like to see him involved more, you know, assuming he catches it. Um, especially, <laughs> is that too harsh? Especially, you know, in this slot. I, I, I think he's one of their more polished players technique wise in terms of route running and he's just kind of been underused the last year or so but let's move to defense because they they (laughs) i know that was something i mean the the first half i mean that is just not what you expect you know from a broncos defense given how they've played even in recent years so they they 
fell off a bit last year. They were still a pretty good group. Um, but especially with Vic Fangio coming in, um, you're expecting to see this, you know, well-oiled machine. You know, they, they have their pre-snap disguises. They got guys moving around, you know, relentless pressure. They didn't have one quarterback hit. Not one. And I, I went back and looked after the game. It's the first time they've had zero in that category since 2014. It was late in 2014 against the Chargers. You know, that was Vaughn and DeMarcus Ware. That was, you know, their first year together. Um, they've, they've never had a game since where they've failed to, you know, really get significant pressure on the quarterback. And that is an uh, astounding number. Right. And, and not something what do you that you think with Vaughn and Chubb. Yes. Like, how does that happen? I, like, I, I don't know. And and that's one of those you got to give credit to Derek Carr and, and yeah, the Raiders. I mean, I think they went yeah. in. First of all, their offensive line is huge. Right. And, and we knew that. Enormous. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I'd ever seen Trent Brown in person until yesterday. And he walked out on the field and it was one of those like where your jaw literally drops. Yeah. And you find yourself just staring at him like, how is that man so large? Like, how is that humanly possible? Well, he's listed at 6'8", 380. Colton, Colton Miller's 6'8", Like, both edges are 6'8". Like, how... And it's it's crazy. <laughs> so, but... you have, so you have that. And then Derek Carr got the ball incredibly quick yeah. last night, which which we know is his MO. And that yeah. makes it hard for, for Vaughn and Chubb. And, I mean, I don't know what you can do defensively at least in terms of Vaughn and Chubb, you got to. I feel like you got to come up on those wide receivers a little bit, right? And and make uh-huh. make it harder. I think more than anything, the fact that the Broncos had no quarterback hits is more a comment on the Raiders' game plan and the yeah. the, the bad secondary for the Broncos um, because I think that was the bigger issue last night. I think that actually resulted in zero quarterback hits more so than maybe Bradley Chubb or, or Vaughn Miller not playing well. Yeah, no, and, and the size of that line clearly got the better of the Broncos' defensive line. It's just a lot to handle. Um, <laughs> but uh, Derek Carr, I, I looked at the, the numbers this morning. He was averaging 2.33 seconds to throw, and I, I, last year he was it was 2.55. So, yeah, he he had a heck of a game, a really great game. I mean, he's... I think he was perfect through, you know, much of the first half. Um, but and, and then they were also successful on their first and second down. So they got into a lot yeah. of third and shorts, which gave them options to, you know, run or pass. And that was it was a third and short that Derek Carr had that 43 yard completion against Yellaman coverage. That was to Tyrell Williams. And I think on three instances, they ran the ball um, all by Josh Jacobs. But, you know, they were successful in, in pretty much every facet of the offense. I mean, they were just running on all cylinders. Yeah, and they got to play with the lead, which, as we yeah. know, is huge for, for any team, but especially for a team that's playing against the Broncos because that really enables those guys, um, the, the opposing team, to keep those guys being Von Miller and Bradley Chubb at bay. Um, you mentioned Isaac Yadam. Woof. I mean, yeah. oh, like Rough day. that was day that work. was awful. I mean, yeah. it, it really it was, was. It wasn't quite, 
you know, Bradley Roby New York Jets level, but it was, it was, close. It, was it was, it was reaching that point. Um, I didn't understand why they kept leaving him on Darren Waller. This is a six foot six, 255 pound tight end. And they got him playing man. against I mean, John Gruden saw that and isolated them and back to back plays. I'm like, Oh gosh, don't leave him on that again. Like, He's not going to be able to handle that, and he wasn't. Right. I mean, that was when they – Darren Waller had an 11-yard catch and a 25-yard catch. And, I mean, they were just picking on the kid. I mean, and it was clear that that was their game plan, right? And, like, yeah. that's what a good yeah. offense does. They're going to come out. It's kind of the Bill Belichick coaching style, right? Like, what is your weakest link? We're going to attack that. What is your strongest point? We're going to take that away. Um, and, and they looked at Isaac Adam as the weakest link, and they went after him time and time and time again. And one, okay, that's on Yadam, right? Like he's got to get better if he's out on the field. Two, we're going to talk about Bryce Callahan and the impact that that has moving forward. And then three, I blame the coaches. You know, like the Broncos should have put him in a better spot, especially after it was obvious to everyone in the stadium and everybody who was watching that game that the Raiders were going to continue to go at Isaac Adam. What are you doing not giving him help? Why are you leaving him out there? No, I know. I know. Well, the secondary was shuffled all around, as we found out. Bryce Callahan, they they thought there was a chance he could go. He's dealing with a foot issue. It's his... The same foot he had surgically repaired. Um, I've had I've heard mixed reports of what is actually going on, but the fact of the matter is, it's not right, <laughs> and he's not playing yet. Um, they said there's a chance he'll play against Chicago, but you know who knows at this point. So with Bryce Callahan out, that forced them to put Isaac Yadam at right cornerback opposite Chris Harris, who's at left. And then move Kareem Jackson, who has played primarily safety throughout OTA's camp preseason, move him into nickel. He was he worked there sparingly, I think, in OTAs, but it's been a while since he really had some time there. And this is a pretty complex system. So to kind of go into this fairly cold and not have, you know, a, a ton of time can be difficult. And yet he still he still played quite well, Kareem yeah. Jackson. Probably the best among the secondary. Um, but I, I think the shuffles just, they the secondary looked like they had communication issues. I mean, there were so many times when, you know, be it Chris Harris, uh, Will Parks, Isaac Yedem, um, they get up after, after a play and throw their hands up as if to say, you know, I, I thought I had help. Where were you guys? Um, and they didn't. I mean, there's Isaac, yeah, he got picked on, but, you know, there was, there were missed tackles by Chris Harris even. Mm-hmm. There was that 10-yard completion against uh, Will Parks in the red zone that set up uh, Josh Jacobs' first touchdown. It's like where the, nobody was there. I mean, Hunter Renfrew just sat down in the in the middle of the field, and you're like, how does this happen? And there were blown coverages. I, the first touchdown was a blown coverage. Yeah. I mean, it's just... And that's something we and that's something we had talked about and had been worried about. I mean, if you'd listened to yeah. our, our previous episodes, that was a concern was the fact that these guys they hadn't played a lot together. You didn't know what Bryce Callahan, what he was going to bring, if he was going to be able to bring anything, and obviously he wasn't on on Monday night. So I think that's one of those things. The good news is if we're looking at the glass half full, that's one of those. Okay, we're disappointed in how we played, but not discouraged because we feel like we can get better. Right. Like if that's a communication breakdown, that's something that you feel like can be easily fixed, especially now that these guys have finally played 
their first game together. Um, and, and again, it's only, only one of 16, but you thought, at least I did, you thought those issues weren't going to happen. You didn't feel like this team was going to be sitting here after week one, like, Oh man, we, we did some things to just kind of beat ourselves because you thought that was what was going to be changed with the new regime. And clearly that was not the case, at least, at least not on Monday night. And if they didn't have the last two seasons where the defense just looked like a mess every week, I don't think we would be as concerned because it is a brand new secondary. It's a brand new defense with a brand new play caller. It's going to take some time to gel. It's, it's just magnified because they've dealt with a lot of these issues the past two years. And, you know, and, and maybe that's not fair to them as they adjust, but that's that's the reality. Well, yeah, I think you're right. And I think back to what John Elway said when he fired Vance Joseph. And he said, you know, when things started to go south in year two, he started to see things that resembled what happened in year one when things went south. So now the question is, can this team, can this new regime change these things, change these issues and and prevent them from spiraling? Because if we're sitting here week seven, week eight, week nine, and still talking about these same things, then we're probably going to be talking about this team has won maybe one game in the first half of the season. And it's going to look a, a lot like six and 10. If you thought yeah. last night looked like six and 10, if this continues, you're, you're heading towards six and 10 being that reality. Um, one thing that, that Derek Wolf touched on last night was that he was, um, encouraged by some of the things yeah. that he saw. And he said, you know, Josh Jacobs, yeah, he had a decent stat line at the end of the night. But really, if you take away Jacobs' two runs, the, the two big ones, the 11-yarder and the 13-yarder, then he had 61 yards on 21 carries, I think, right. if my math is Small correct. Small chunks. That's less than three yards a carry, right? So there's there's something there that you can, you can take away from. And so I don't know – I, I'm reserving judgment as to how I feel about their run defense as of yet because I want to see them again. I don't know that we can judge it just based on last night. And I'm I'm a little concerned at some of the things that happened, but I'm tempted to lean with Derek Wolf and say, okay, there are some things there that, that we can work on, that they can work on, um, and and maybe this run defense can improve uh, a little bit week by week. And, and maybe this Josh Jacobs, you know, I mean, he had, what, 23 carries? last night. So obviously when he gets 23, he's going to break some big ones. Yeah. What's, what's ironic is that the Broncos actually had a larger average 4.1 yards per carry compared to the Raiders who had 3.5 all told. Um, so, I mean, the, the box score isn't particularly bad. I thought it was interesting that Fangio said after the game that he felt like they were never in control in the, in the run game. Um, which is interesting. Um, but I, I wonder if he feels like that's something that's just going to improve with time. If Corey Nelson, who literally only had a week of practice right. with this team, um, stepped in, started, actually did a heck of a job, yeah. given how little time he had. You know, if he's going to be in there and, and Todd's going to continue to be out for a while, you know, we might start to see some consistency. Then, of course, you, you wonder, you know, when Todd's ready, how's that going to shake things up? But, you know, I, I think the size of that offensive line created trouble in more ways than one. It, it did with the pass rush, but I also think of the run game, too. Um, and, and that's a lot of what we were seeing there. Um, 
We'll see, though. I, I, I think... I do think a lot of the things they're dealing with on that side of the ball are fixable. Um, because the front seven, most of them have, have played together for, you know, at least a year, two, three years, if not more. The secondary is new, but, you know, they're veterans. Um, so they, they'll be able to figure it out. Um, special teams, however, <laughs> this has been... <laughs> Can we stop kicking the ball to Dwayne Harris? Oh my god. We just put a put a memorandum out oh there. Oh my gosh. Do not Does kick he the ball a, to this guy when he plays the Broncos. Does he need another dubious record? <laughs> he is in the record book for the longest punt return against the Broncos at 99 yards. That was only nine months ago, people. <laughs> and he comes away with what, a 72-yard kickoff return? Um their their kickoff coverage is just not good. Yeah. It's just not good. I, you mentioned Colby been. Watt. No, it hasn't been at all. I mean, Colby Wadman had a better game. Um, he was kind of up and down in preseason, like you mentioned. Um, Brandon McManus has been, you know, the most consistent guy, perhaps in all three phases. Um, but the coverage teams is just missed tackle after missed tackle. It just looks like guys are not in the right place. And Fangio even said that today. Um, so th- I. You just got to get it right, right? It's, it's going to come back to get him. And it, it did a little or bit. Or it's going to get Tom McMahon. Well, yeah, that too. Um, but, you know, the thing about the thing about last night too is it was one of those, the Broncos had just scored, and they go down and you, and you, you kick the ball off, and then he has the 72-yard return. Yeah. And you're like, all that momentum that you had just gained from from scoring was completely wiped away. And that's where, you know, you hear the term complimentary football so much. And, I mean, he didn't score on that one, but it was a huge momentum shift and a missed opportunity for the Broncos to really capitalize on the momentum that they had built offensively. And so when I say it's going to get them, it did a little bit last night. I think eventually somebody's going to get a touchdown off of it, right? Um, yeah. And, and it's it's what we have seen over the last several years here is okay it starts out kind of slow and then somebody breaks a breaks a big one and all of a sudden it's like oh man these issues that you know you're using duct tape to fix the titanic and it blows and then you know what happens and this is where their lack of depth really shows up you know they just don't have the talent there i mean they're just getting beat by guys flat out um but you you mentioned you know the the momentum shifts i mean that was kind of the story of the game like you know, in that series right before the 72-yard return by Dwayne Harris, I mean, that was that was a series where Emmanuel Sanders had his, his 53-yard catch. Mm-hmm. Four plays later, Flacco was sacked in the red zone. It's like they just can't, you know, get a, a drive going consistently and see it through. So. And it was from the start of the game, right? Like Oakland comes out, they have yeah. a long drive, score a touchdown, yeah. and then Denver goes three and out and has that terrible first play to start it. And and I, I don't know, Nikki, man, I'm just I'm just worried that we're watching here and it's just like deja vu. I hope I'm wrong. I really, really do. But I can't help but feel like this is deja vu all over again. I know. I hope you're wrong, too, because I can't write the same story for. <laughs> I'm tired. Of I feel like I'm recycling. <laughs> I know we're writing and asking the same things we did three years ago. It's unbelievable. But and, and you know, guys, like you go in the locker room and. Nobody ever wants to go into a losing locker room, right? Like that is never fun. No. And guys are tired of asking, answering the same questions. You know, yeah. I mean, Von Miller last night, I was like, why was, you know, Josh Jacobs so hard to defend? And well, he's a good running back. 
I'm like, okay, you're right. You got me, Vaughn. Like, you know, I mean, what do you, they, they're just, I don't know. Vaughn uh, Miller kind of turns into Bill Belichick. After yes, he does. Really brutal <laughs> losses. So, I mean, I guess I would too, to some degree, but you know. All right, so so we had this great game plan planned out, and, and every week going into the games, we were going to give you uh, guys who were putting our spotlight on. When we came out of the games, we were going to give guys our mile-high salute. It was going to be really cool. We were going to start it off with a victory. It seems uh, a little dumbed down yeah. And now. then they lost. Wah, then... <laughs> <laughs> so we are still going to give our mile-high salutes because there were a few guys who had really good games despite the loss in Oakland. Um, so we'll do this after every single game, win or lose, and hopefully it doesn't get Because we are optimists. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's look at the glass half full. Let's give the people some joy. Uh, mile high salute number one. Nikki, who are you giving it to? Uh, I think I have to go with Cortland Sutton. The second-year receiver had his – breakout game uh first 100 yard receiving game and he ended up with 120 which was not just a game high but a career high um he looked good he looked really good i mean he he was more than you know the go route 50 50 ball guy um he looks like a complete receiver who happens to be enormous Mm -hmm. which is great um so if if he can keep that up i i think he I mean, this will be great for the offense. It looked like he had a, a strong rapport with Joe Flacco out there, too. So, um, Cortland Sutton gets my mile high. So and like, I think that's you? great. I think that's great that he has that rapport with Flacco already um, yeah. because that's not going to go away, right? And now you wait for Emmanuel Sanders to get his rapport going with Flacco. And then if those two guys can get get gelling at the same time, then this offense can can really get something going. So you almost like okay, maybe it was. I, I, I hate saying this. Maybe it was it was beneficial that Emmanuel couldn't be at one hundred percent for all the preseason, right? Because Cortland Sutton got more reps, he got more opportunities with Joe Flacco, and now you get the veteran up to speed and him being 100%, maybe he can gel with Joe Flacco, and then moving forward you get both of those guys playing really, really well and having a really good connection with their quarterback. That could be a really big thing for this uh, for this offense. So I love the salute to Cortland Sutton. I want to pat myself on the back. We had Sutton on our show on CBS4 on Thursday night, and then he went and had a big game. So Dang. I'm, I'm just Look saying. Look at you. You're like I'm a fortune teller, basically. saying, you know? Like, I'm not saying we had anything to do with it, but I'm not saying we didn't. Um, I'm giving my mile-high <laughs> salute to uh, to Brandon McManus. I thought he was really good. Um I, I love that he was so upset after missing the 64-yard field goal. Like, you watched him coming off the field, and he was so mad. And I want to talk to him and find out what it was that he was upset about. I know he feels like he could kick it from 75 yards. Well, um, he do you watch his pregame routine? I Anybody who gets to the stadium early, I find it to be one of the most fascinating things, is watching Brandon McManus's pregame routine. It is the same every time, and it is so methodical, and he, he does it for like probably at least 30 minutes an hour. He goes from hash mark to hash mark. I think it's probably about 30 yards. He goes all the way back to 70 yards, and he's nailing these things. Like, it's nothing. He's kicking off a tee. But he he does this repeatedly from both sides. So he goes into the game Mm -hmm. confident, feeling like 
I just hit these multiple times. There's no reason for me to miss. So I, I could see how he would be upset. Yeah, and I, I like that he was upset, and I like that he came back and had three field goals in the second half and, and you know, kept the team in it as far as he could do. Um, obviously, you want them to punch that into the end zone and, and get six points there opposed to three. Um, but but my mile-high salute going to Brandon McManus and, uh, and a half a salute to Kareem Jackson. I thought he played really well. Um, yeah. That secondary had a couple big pass breakups. Um, as well. So I thought, I thought he played well for his part. Before we go, we do have some news. Um, there were a couple injuries in the game. Uh, Juwan James starting right tackle came out early with a knee injury, did not go back in. We're still kind of waiting to see the, you know, learn the severity of that. But Tim Patrick, um, who, who had such a, a good season last year, you really thought he was on the brink of having, you know, another productive year, especially with his size and this offense. Um, but he went down in the game. He had a hard cast over his hand and some of his fingers. He broke his left hand um, and will need surgery. Um, it's not expected to be season ending, but you don't know what they're going to do to kind of compensate on the roster. Um, so he, he's going to be out for a bit, which is a bummer for him. And, you know, they got to figure out how they're going to, rearrange that group and account for special teams and everything. So Tim Patrick uh, is going to miss some time. Yeah. And that's, that's tough. I mean, the immediate thought there, you go to Juwan Winfrey, right? Sixth round pick out of Colorado. Yep. He's going to have to step yep. his game up on special teams. And, and he yep. did that a little bit in the preseason. Think back to that big hit he had against the Rams. He was inactive Monday night against the Raiders, but he becomes the guy now who, who has to step up in that wide receiver spot and in that wide receiver room, uh, to me, I mean, that's that's kind of my first thought. I don't uh, I'm trying yep. to run down the roster in my head here, but but Jawan Winfrey now, all of a sudden, all eyes turn to him, and and you gotta, yeah, maybe put a little more expectations on the rookie than you were planning on doing. Yeah, because he was the lone receiver that was inactive. Yeah. Uh, they had to make Deontay Spencer active, obviously, for returns. So Jawan was the odd man out, but may not be for long. Well, and, and here we go. It's only game one. We talked all yeah. offseason about the depth of this team, and it's rearing its ugly head here in week one. I mean, Tim Patrick, you know, not necessarily uh, one of the stars of this team, but obviously an injury, and, and we know the Broncos can ill afford too many of those as, as this season moves on. So. Yep. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode five of Mile High Magic. Well, coming up uh, Thursday, we will have episode number six. We'll turn our attention to the Chicago Bears who pay a visit to Mile High Sunday afternoon. The Broncos already underdogs at home against Vic Fangio's former team. That is uh, not good, at least in terms of uh, Vegas's perspective there as to what's going to happen. We'll obviously have more news on the injury front. Uh, we'll give you our, our players to spotlight and, uh, and get you set for game number two as the Broncos try and pick up their first win of the 2019 season. A reminder, this podcast, free for everyone. If you want episode, uh, episode six, you're going to have to become a subscriber of The Athletic. You can do that um, on any of their platforms and, uh, and obviously on Nikki's social media as well. Uh, Nikki, give the people your Twitter if they don't follow you already. I know you have like 18 million followers, but... Do you want me to spell out with all the vowels? Well, it's you probably Nikki should. Nikki Jabala. Uh, <laughs> N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. Um, and you can find our podcast at theathletic.com slash Magic. 
And be sure to give Michael Spencer a follow on Twitter. He's wonderful. Michael, what's your Twitter handle? At MichaelCBS4 is where you can find me there on it is. Twitter. That is going to do it for us. We will see you uh, later this week for episode six of Mile High Magic.